Here we go, episode 7-0 of the Hibs Ramble. Do not adjust your sets. It's me and Sean this week. Sean, how are you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm good, mate. I'm good. Little change of pace. Yeah. Change of face, you know. It's nice, nice to freshen things up a wee bit, although I'm hanging around like a minging smell, can't I get rid of me, so just have to put up with that. <laughs> no, well, we thought <clears throat> it would be good to get a higher intellect on the the show this week, obviously, you and Liam, you just get dragged into his level, whereas with me, you come back up to the pantheon of football knowledge. So, aye, eh, shite place to start, obviously, last night away at Parkhead. I don't think you could say anything other than we got pumped. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, it was very, for me anyway, it was a hard watch. Um I know people that went to the game spent more time travelling through there than they did sitting in their way end. So it's a tough watch for everyone. It wasn't a pleasing to watch. Um, performance, I said the performance wasn't minging, but you're you're right. We weren't we weren't great at all. Yeah, I mean the teams came out when the team comes out. Um, obviously the two changes, Miller and for Whitaker, which I think would have been expected. Um, but then the other one probably surprisingly was not that Ellie Ewan was back in, but that Dylan Venti was dropped. I think it's came out, uh, I think Montgomery said after the game that he was maybe nursing a wee knock and didn't want to risk him. And when you look at the fixtures we've got coming up, it's probably more important he's available for them than for last night. But other than that, were you fairly comfortable with the team? I actually thought that Jago might have played. Um, yeah, I... I mentioned it on I mentioned it on Monday when me and Liam spoke about the Celtic game. I, I wouldn't have been surprised if Yuan came in um just with the pace that he he offers us on, on the counter attack. My concern would be if he was going to play in a wider area and he was going to allow us to be a little bit more exposed in the fullback area. Um I thought Venti would have still started, but I thought it might have been, would have maybe been Campbell that dropped out. Obviously, the Lewis Miller one speaks for itself. Um, listen, I, I like that Monty kind of stuck with Newell and, and uh, Levitt in there, but you're right, I, I, I personally expected Jago to come in. Um, it's just a shame that we couldn't really, especially for the vast majority of the first half anyway, we couldn't really get out our own our own defensive area and we couldn't break it past the halfway line too much as well because then we'd never really... Got to see Boyle or, or Yuan have a good run at it or, or expose them in the wider areas because our wider players like Campbell and, and Jair seem to keep cutting in and creating like a box yeah. area in the middle of the park. Whereas I don't know if that was more to stick to our tactics and the way that we want to play or if it was more to suit Celtic and their inverting fullbacks and things like that or inverting centre half, whatever you want to fucking call it nowadays. Because uh, our fullbacks were high and wide at times as well. I wanted us to play a high and wide option, and we just didn't really do that. But again, that comes back to maybe going against what I think Montgomery feels is the best for the the players that we have. Yeah, I think you could see it for the start, like the start of the game though. Um, obviously, seen it sort of during the week that Rogers was pissed off with our performance uh, on Sunday. Was it St Johnston they had? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was pissed off with their performance at St Johnston. Um, you know, he says that's the angriest he's ever been at half-time. 
in his managerial career. And I think you've seen that in the first half in the way that Celtic actually started. Um, like they were not, from what I've admittedly, I've not watched a lot of them this season, but for what I've seen, they've not been as relentless in their press as compared to what a Postacoglu Celtic team was. But like you say, it was like we couldn't get out of the box. At times, they know what happens is it resorts to the full-back, whatever side it goes to, or the centre-halves or whatever, just lumping it to clear the lines. And then the ball just comes back in. But it was even looking at Celtic's team, you thought there was maybe a chance. Like We've seen, we've seen Scales get absolutely mauled by a Hibs forward line more than once. So he was there to be got at. Uh, that uh, Tomoki is a bit of an unknown quantity in the middle of the park, so he never really got tested much either. Um, Kyogo obviously dropped as well, and then that was taking his chances that's that's came his way. But I just feel it's when Celtic are resting so many who would normally get in the first get, and I know when you're saying resting, it's maybe two or three. But you can see the difference two or three players can make to a team at times. And I just conceding the early goal the, in the manner that we did as well, like we said just before we started. Others maybe have different opinions, but I think collectively all four goals are shambolic. And you'd be raging at losing those goals at any level of football. Like the first goal, the corner comes in, the ball's almost bouncing in the, like on the six-yard line. Like how is a ball managing to travel? I mean, what, is, what even is the distance for a corner flag into the box? Maybe about 25 yards? Let me tell you. Yeah. Give or take, aye, something like that. See, give or take between 20 and 25 yards. It's travelling into a crowded area. And it's almost bouncing before, was it Carter Vickers gets the... Carter Vickers, yeah, gets the touch on it and then it hits all on the way in as well. I think yeah. I agree with you regarding all four goals. It's not when you play a team that is superior in regards to like the financial gulf and the quality that they've got on the not only on the bench but in the stand 11 you can kind of accept a defeat if they've cut you open and and they've tore you apart like yeah. I said they, they pinned us in and I felt like that was unlike a, a Brendan Rodgers Celtic side and I, I feel like last night's performance was more of an Ange Postacoglu's Celtic side in the way that they were relentless and in, in going forward and, and pinning us in and mentioned it on Monday, I was hoping that we wouldn't necessarily see a reaction from Celtic similar to the reaction that they got in the second half against St Johnston and yeah, they started like a house on fire unfortunately for us um, Rocky is I don't even want to say he's too close to Carter Vickers, I just think he should do better um, yeah. it's unfortunate that the touch that Carter Vickers gets on it David Marshall's then blinded by Joe Newell marking, oh directly in front of him as well but very very sloppy goal to concede like you said already um, yeah and I feel inclined to agree with all the other ones as well Aye the, you're, the, the annoying thing is is that how often have we heard that about going to Celtic Park Ibrox, even Tynecastle at times keep them quiet first, so, I mean to be fair for what I heard the well and what I've seen anyway the Celtic support was practically non-existent and their enthusiasm for celebrating the goals, obviously the the Green Brigade and whoever their other... The boys. The boys, aye, they're no there making a racket. To be fair, when we were there in, was it March or April? February, March, when Josh Campbell got the penalty? Josh Campbell won, yep. 
the place is a fucking morgue unless that drum's gone in the corner. Like that's all you can hear. Um, but you you want to can get can you want to be forcing them almost into passes down the line that are going out for throw-ins or can putting pressure on the centre half when the ball's almost at the byline and they're about to let it see it out, but they realise they can't. They need to punt it out for a deep throw-in and hear the moans and groans. When you go a goal down as early as we did, playing against a side that's starting to ramp up the intensity as they did. It was we, we just didn't make it easy for ourselves. No, I think what what, what, frust- what frustrated me as well is you touched on it just a couple of minutes ago about the amount of changes that they made. If we were able to hold them out a little bit more, naturally the the fans that were in the stadium would have got a bit agitated and a bit worried because they've made these changes, three or four changes that they made. And listen, it was still good quality players that were coming in, players that would start and our starting eleven. However, if we can just hold them out for 10, 15 minutes and just, you know, frustrate them a little bit, um, then the fans might have potentially got on their back and we might have been able to, you know, counteract their press and, and squeeze them into their own half a wee bit more. But given that first goal away so early and so cheaply, just kind of gives not only the players that are on the pitch that have maybe not got the game time that they have in recent weeks, but it gives the, the fans in the stand a little bit of extra belief to to believe that the players that are on the pitch are, are, are doing a good enough job. Whereas if we were able to hold it out, it would have turned a little bit quicker. Or it would have just yeah. turned. It didn't turn at all, obviously, last night. But it would have turned quicker than normal because of the amount of changes that they made. And that's yeah. what frustrated me as well. Yeah, and the annoyance... The annoyance as well that you say is that you can accept uh, kind of we'd come away from 4-1 last night but we'd been battered kind of we'd been cut open time and time again or if there'd been you know a, a 25 passing move for back to front that ended up with a slot past the keeper. I said the same after we played Aston Villa. Like the, the level of opposition that we're playing isn't in question it's the ease of which we're giving up goals. Yeah that's in question and you you make it doubly hard when you play it against better players you make it harder for yourself when you just give them chances and give them goals I mean the two goals that they've scored are probably in the six yard box the first two even well even when you get to the fourth where he takes it, I think he's maybe just outside the six yard box as well yeah um, so we've kind of been we've been done by our own whether it be naivety, lack of concentration. Uh, I mean, I've seen a couple of boys on Twitter putting like, maybe Rocky Hanks to kick off at eight o'clock and no quarter to eight. Um, and kind of as good as, especially Rocky, I think, as good as he and Will Fish have been over the last few weeks, when they do, you, can you want them to put that performance in on sat- this Saturday, for example, when we've got the players at the other end who are getting time and space and chances to make a difference, you're not going to get, you can't put in a performance like that away at Celtic Park and yeah. expect to come away yeah. with anything. The second, the second goal frustrates me as well. Obviously, Lou Stevenson can read the danger. He calls it out. He needs to stay in his defensive shape, so he's not going to come in and pick up O'Reilly. But for him to get a free header, basically on the six-yard line or on the in and around the penalty area, there needs to be a level of understanding, whether it be from one of your midfielders that are dropping deep and, and picking up Matt O'Reilly as he's making that run in, or there needs to be a bit of game awareness from, or positional awareness from Rocky 
or at least listening to what Lewis is saying behind him, that he's free and instead of Rocky staying in line, because he was, I think he was too concerned about staying in line from a defensive shape perspective, that if he just steps or make one step further forward, it doesn't give Matt O'Reilly the amount of time and space that he, he's got. And then that just prevents him from being able to make that header, I think. So, listen, like like you've said, they've both been very, very good this season. Um, and you don't want that kind of performance from either of them. I know Lewis, Lewis Miller wasn't overly great last night as well. But at the same time, I think both our fullbacks were left exposed at times. Again, touching on the little inside box that, that we seem to be playing in, in the attacking sense, which I don't think done us any favours because yeah. then we were we were overrun in every every walk of the pitch um, last night. But yeah, you, you just want both of them to be a bit better. Um, I know we'll touch on the penalty in a sec, but just to jump ahead with the, the, the fourth goal, Lewis Miller and... Um, well, Fish look a bit all over the shop in regards to their defensive position and Lewis Miller more so. But then again, Will Fish needs to be a bit stronger. And I know O's got like a I wouldn't even say a bit of weight about him, but he's got a wee bit of a build to him. He's not a, he's you know he's not a, a thin player. Mm-hmm. Um, to get bullied by by someone like that is is very very poor. And it's not the first time, obviously, it's happened because it happened at Motherwell as well too easily. And it happened again last night. So just need to be a little bit game smarter and a wee bit, wee bit better from both our centre-halves. Yeah, I think the the point about the fourth goal is a good one because, I mean, the way that the ball comes, you know, it, it comes from out to in. So that's always a tough one to judge where it's actually going to end up. But Fish should have the awareness to know that he's being closed down and or challenged and be stronger. Like, if he's in a defensive position, if he even steps across oh just a tiny bit just to try and check his run he'll go down and we'll get a free kick but he's he's I don't even understand I, I don't know if he just doesn't know that the striker's there if he's trying to get back into the sort of you know the the, the path the the path of the ball's taken to maybe get it under control but um uh, the the third goal I mean you you go in at half time and you try and regroup I can it's all you you just want one chance. Do you know what I mean? All it takes is a chance. And if when it's at 2-0, you've still got, you know, takes us getting a set piece, shot for distance, or whatever. Just to get a goal back. It's 2-1. There's all that cliche, 2-1's the most dangerous scoreline. 2-0 uh, is one of the most dangerous scorelines in football. Uh, but, you know, for the half, for the first whistle to the half-time whistle, almost the same amount of time it takes uh, for us to to go three down. Initial thoughts on the on the decision to give a penalty? Um, I think it's a... I know we're going to agree to disagree on this um, because of what we were saying beforehand, but I, I think it's... I think it's a disgrace, if I'm honest. Um, I don't think it should be a penalty. I understand why it's been given in regards to the, the, the ruling um, and where the contact is on the pitch. Um... But for me, that in isolation shouldn't be a penalty at all. Um, and the longer it went on in regards to like before John Beaton went and checked the monitor, the longer it went on, the more I just kind of resigned to the accepting the fact that it was going to be given. Um, I don't think it should be given, but unfortunately, the way that 
um, penalties are managed and refereed at the moment. I'm not even going to blame VAR because it's not necessarily a, a VAR issue there. Um, I think as an overall penalty situation, I don't I don't really know what the, the words are that I'm looking for here, but the way that penalties are managed at the moment in regards to the, like you mentioned before recording, the threshold of the fouls, that is the issue for me there because that shouldn't be given as a penalty. Yeah, I think that's a key point to, like when we before we came on we were kind of speaking about it and we said, I said that before the, there almost used to be a high, you know, it was one of these ones where um, if a foul is given anywhere in the park it's almost like the penalty box is exempt for that level of foul because it's it's enough contact to cause a free kick, but it's not enough contact to cause a penalty kick, which is irrelevant because it's a foul. If it's a foul, it's a foul. For me, I think it is a penalty. I think Stevenson, you can tell, there's that thing where you can tell by a player's reaction and immediately, there's not really much of a claim for Johnston himself. It's as he goes none. Down. Yeah, none at all. There's maybe that. a couple of the Celtic players are hands in the air, which I think is just natural when you see any type of contact in the box. But Stevenson's immediately up with the hands up. No, 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 no. I think that's a good that's a good indicator. Um, and even when it's given, Ken, even when the it does get pulled, he doesn't go rage about it, Ken. Usually these decisions like the like you seen the Haaland one on Sunday for Man City when he absolutely lost the fucking head. Like I've seen Stevenson react to decisions being given against him that that he didn't think were fouls. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. When that sort of panned out it was just it was almost as if he was like fuck's sake um, so I think I think it was just daft for him even put his leg in there um, but aye, that's it's just an, it's another conversation about referees and yeah, one decisions. that we're most definitely not going to get into <laughs> the decisions that I mean I've obviously no been here for the discussions that you've had about about referees, but you you see often, you know, when folk throw their toys at the pram, kind of under, I'm not going back under Johnson, I'm not going back under Maloney, whatever. The one thing at the moment that is actively deterring me from attending games, or would, sorry, would uh, deter me from attending games is the standard of officiating. Like, it's just so fucking bad. Like, it's not even... I don't think there's ever been a time, I mean, I've been a season ticket holder at Easter Road for, what, 25, 26 years. I don't think there's ever been a time where officiating has been as poor as what it is at the moment. And that's not even getting into the discussions about the amount of penalties Rangers get versus the amount of penalties that don't get given against them. Like To me, that's, that's almost an irrelevance a bit. By the, the standard the refereeing that like you see it on a weekly basis, the amount of fouls that are any fouls, cards given. Like even the game last weekend, last Sunday, Boyle getting booked and uh, who else? Will Fish getting booked. Yet yeah, Shinny was just fucking exempt, almost exempt for a booking. Yeah. So I uh, the the standard. I don't know, and I don't know how we change it. I I really don't know what the what the change needs to be because. I don't buy into this theory that, that there's a bias. Um, I just think they're shit. They're really, really shit. And it is actually ruining games at the minute. Regardless yeah, you're, not, the- you're, not, uh, you're not the first person that I've, I've heard mention that they're, they're more 
reluctant to go to games now, not necessarily because of like um, how Hibs are playing or you know the ticket mm-hmm. price in or anything like that. It's more down to their lack of enjoyment through the officiating and through the lack of being able to enjoy a moment like a goal or something yeah. like that because of VAR and, and stuff like that. And I think as an overall, it's, it's obviously not just the Scottish game that's getting ruined by VAR in particular, but yeah, I completely agree regarding the standard they officiating. And you always think it's, it's bad at, at the time that, that you're in, but like you said, I genuinely can't remember a time when it was worse and I feel like it's continually getting worse as well. But yeah, like I said, I've said, I feel like I'm talking about this every week now, eh? or every episode now. So, yeah. The thing is, though, it's no just just one final wee bit and we'll move on. It's not even as if it's like instances or incidents that are highlighted in games against Rangers or Celtic or the high-profile games, Kent Aberdeen Rangers, Hibs and Hearts, Hibs and Rangers, Hearts and Celtic, so on. I mean, you've seen things happen in games between Dundee and St Mirren, Motherwell and fucking Aberdeen, Hibs and St Johnston. Like going back to the Jago red card last season, yeah. these games that are not obviously they're they're high profile in terms of you know for like clubs and where they want to end up in that, but they're no powder keg fixtures. You know, a kind of decision in an Edinburgh derby or a fucking Old Firm derby can completely set the tone one way or another. Hibs against St Johnston at McDermott Park, mm, no necessarily, but it's even those games that are getting fucking ruined by the way the games are being officiated. And I mean, it's, can you, you're now getting to the stage where you're not getting out of a game till like fucking 10 past quarter past five. I know. It's like, I know. But anyway, I've I got, I, just before we, just before we move on to um, listener questions and then the, the Levy preview and stuff like that, I, I just want to get your thoughts, because like you said, and this is not having a sly go here, but you've, you've not been on many episodes in in many weeks um so i guess this topic of conversation hasn't necessarily come up i know obviously monty's formation and his philosophy and the way that he tries to implement things doesn't necessarily change maybe the personnel within it like last night changes where we went with two pacey strikers we saw christian Deutsch come on and i know the game was won and it was four nil but christian Deutsch obviously a focal point and attack it gives us kind of an outlet Mm um and we managed to which is a relatively well-worked goal last yeah. night we went to Ibrox with what you would potentially class as two focal strikers and an Alfie inventing both up top I understand the decision last night um, because Fenty's picked up a wee bit of a knock but where do you think against the stronger opposition can we strike the right balance because we went with two pacey strikers last night didn't necessarily work Deutsch yeah. then comes on as a focal point and gets a goal but then we have two focal points against Rangers away with two fast wingers in Ellie Yuan and Martin Boyle and we get pumped 4-0. Yeah. So where do we find the balance in these stronger stronger games away from home? I don't well the thing is is that what I've noticed from Montgomery's formation is that although it's a front four, it's not a rigid front four. No. So there was periods on Sunday past uh, the Aberdeen game where it was like Jer and Campbell were through the middle. And then one minute Jer would be out left. I think when you're lining up with the team that we did last night and the front four has three effectively wingers and uh, 
utility midfielder playing. It's really hard to balance that. Um, I get why Campbell played because he's, you know, he's he's deserved his run in the team. But I do think that Montgomery, for me, could maybe be a bit more ruthless at times and realise that playing the same. Sh- I understand he's not going to change the shape or the formation or the style for anybody, and I I actually admire him for that. But going with Dodge up top against the scales, knowing how he struggles against physical type centre forwards. Having, whether it be Jaren Yuan on the wings and having Boyle running off Dodge when he's challenging, it gives you an outball as well. I mean, we've seen it on Sunday when the, the team is forced to go long. You're putting a long to Jer, Boyle and Venti. Boys that are five foot ten. It's just coming straight back at us. So it's more maybe, I think Montgomery's philosophy is, I'm going to pick the team that I feel is best. Let me rephrase that. He's going to pick the team that he feels is best for the game, regardless of what the opposition have got. Whereas I think Dodge for the start last night might have been a better option, not to necessarily dick about with the style so much, but it gives us the opportunity to go long because it's not even just about the flick-ons as well. It's about, he's. I mean, he's not exactly the bulkiest guy, but he's really good at bringing the ball down and holding centre-halves off. Like I said, we've seen it with Scales last season. He hates getting physical with players. And Boyle, Yuan, Jair... I'm not going to do that. Aren't they going to do that? And Campbell's not got the physicality or the awareness to play as a centre-forward in that area as well. So I think it's maybe just picking a team based on... Not solely, of course, based on the opposition, but with them in mind. Because... We've seen it as well, like we, if we'd have went with Boyle right and LU and left or whatever the combination was. Greg Taylor doesn't like getting run at. Scales doesn't like defending physically. Um, Johnston, I don't think he's got great recovery pace. So when he's on the half turn, if whoever gets past him, that's it. It's, it's game over. Well, obviously, the other goal came down Celtic's right hand side last night anyway. Um, but it's a hard one to, to think of the balance because we've got so many different kinds of strikers as well. There's no really, you know, I mean, we've got you could class as what six forwards, and each one of them are different. Yeah, but I know I do think that having that someday we just were a bit more physically about them in certain games. Can like obviously it can be useful, and you can prey on the opposition's weaknesses as well. Like I said, with skills. Yeah. We'll get we'll get stuck into the listener questions now before we preview um, the Olivia game. Now it's time to enter the Hibs Ramble listener questions. And I don't necessarily. I mean, I know I'm sitting in the Tony Macaroni behind me. Don't know if you clicked onto that, Craig. Um, I'm not going to lie, I didn't. So for our YouTube listeners, listen in. Uh, give it a watch. I'm currently at. The Tony Macaroni, but maybe not as many of you may think. Um, what's for dinner? I actually don't know. I think I might just have some like sort of chicken and mushroom pasta type thing. Sean then, special. Yeah, Sean special. I, I've got well as we, as you joined, I was tanning a M&S chocolate chip cookie, and they are absolutely fucking elite. It looked well. huge. It looks yeah, huge. I don't know what to hear anything for anybody about shopping in M&S. It is pop to your screen. 
especially their bakery bit as well. That's why I'm wearing black because you can't see how the cookies have actually affected. Um, what about you? What are you having? Some corn linguine or something, no doubt. Um, so in the build up to Christmas, HelloFresh do like festive twists on uh, some dishes. So they've got a Brussels sprout mac and cheese. Um, don't know how that's going to go down. I just I picked it because it was mac and cheese. I don't really care about what else is in there. So that's what I've got. Yeah, I know. Normally it's like tender stem broccoli or um, like chorizo or something that's in there instead with yeah. the mac and cheese. But yeah, they've obviously put a festive twist on it. So we'll see how that goes down. Gym the night after it? Uh, already been. Already been, already been today. Already done. Your arse would have been fucking toxic. <laughs> Didn't put a, I don't know if it was a cardio or a leg day or whatever. Doing um, the leg press and your arse just... Imagine, eh? <laughs> imagine. Uh, right, so the bulk of our questions are obviously related to, to last night, so that's kind of why we're doing it now in between the Celtic and the, and the Levy game. So, Kev Wilson, losing 4-1 is never acceptable. And some of the goals last night were amateurish. However, the reaction from some of the fans is predictably pathetic. Important thing now is to win three or four games before the winter break. Thoughts on yeah. that? I know, I know you don't necessarily agree with... Um, well, you do agree with what Kev said in regards to the goals, but you don't think any of the goals have been acceptable. Um, yeah, big reaction yeah, the run, needed. The run of games coming up is important, because like, no, we're now no back at home until... The, uh, the Hearts game on the 28th, 27th, 28th. 7th, 7th. 7th. Um, so I, and it's three, kind of notoriously three games as well that we've toiled with in the past in terms of Livy Ross County, and, uh, sorry, Livy St Johnston Ross County. Um, but I, I do, if we want to be sort of riding on the coattails of whoever's in third, we couldn't have maybe asked for a better... If we wanted to have three games away from home back to back to back, at this present moment in time, they're probably the three games that you would want. Um, so I think minimum... I, mean, I don't know if you want the minimum point tallies, but I think for me, minimum out of this sort of wee three-game three mini-run, it's at least seven, I think. I think to keep on the coattails of, of whoever it is or is not in and around third at that point, I think that's what we need. Yeah. Um, Harvey Scott, the thing is with last night, if we went out and showed a bit of heart and scored, if we went out and showed a bit of heart, the score would have been the same and I wouldn't have been as bothered. But it took until 4-0 down when they stopped playing for us uh, to start playing which the way that we did. The mentality of the old firm is a free hit. Is let me fucking fucking hell, this is difficult for me, mate. The the mentality of the old firms a free hit. Um, we need to get that out of their heads. We are, I think, we are both firm believers that games against the old firm shouldn't be seen as as free hits. Do you think going away to the old firm, there's a subconsciousness within the, the squad, especially if we don't necessarily start the strongest? Million percent, of course there will be. Like. I think it's only natural. Like as supporters, if when we when that first goal went in last night, my first thought was, "Here we fucking go." There's, why would the players not think like that as well? Yeah. Um. I just there just seems to be a big shift, and I mean, you go back to the days under Mowbray and that when we were, we, we maybe weren't winning, 
but we were going and competing for large portions of the game. And that's when they had fucking Larson, Hearts and Sutton, Petrov, Maravchik. I don't know if know that specific era, but that, <clears throat> you know, McLeish era, era on the way through. Um, uh, it's, it, it, it is a free hit and it isn't a free hit. Like I said, the game's coming up. These next three games are most important. Our, our season isn't defined by our results against Celtic or Rangers. Like, it just isn't. It's defined by, you know, if we want to finish third, we need to be going to places like Livy, Dingwall, Perth and winning. Yeah, That's the games that are more important. You just, again, we said that, I'm sure we said this after the Rangers game, that you need you need to be a 9, 10 out of 10 across the board and you need them to be hitting fours and fives. Yeah, to even, even stand a chance. To even stand a chance. Last night, as we've already spoken about, for me, the back four, shite. All across the board, uh, Levitt, poor. The two wide players offered not a lot. Um, wasn't really much for Ellie and Martin Boyle to get on. Uh, Joe Newell again could only do as much as what he's surrounded by. So really, when you look at it, we were the ones dropping fours and fives and sixes, and they were the ones hitting nines and tens, and that's why it's the scoreline ends up the way it is. Because it's n- you watch the game, like we said, we've not been cut open. Like it's it's. It's a 4-1 game as well as it's not a 4-1 game, except it actually is a 4-1 game, if that maths even makes sense. Do you know what, it makes, you know what I mean? No, it, it, it doesn't it does make sense. Like I, was, I was sat watching that last night, and it, at no point did I think, fucking hell, this Celtic team are unreal. Yeah. Just, they're just, just thought we were more poor rather than anything else. Aye. Yeah. Um, Scotty says something similar. Results you can forgive. Um, more concerned with the lack of performance every time we go to the Disco Dome. I get what Nick Montgomery is trying to do, uh, and with the right personnel, it will work, which I believe that we probably both agree with. Unfortunately, yeah. at the, this moment in time, he doesn't have that at his disposal, which I feel like is a relatively decent summary of that. Yeah, those lights are fucking ready as well, eh? Yeah, yeah. Like, those lights, when they're... Um, like, before the game, watching it on the... I just didn't get it. Why, like, Wednesday night at home at Hibs, like... They've got to get their money's worth, eh? They've got to get their money's worth. Fucking hell, man. Um, Nige over on Instagram said that found out, we got found out last night, I'm afraid, the gulf in class is clear. Celtic's budget is superior to ours, so a defeat doesn't come as a surprise. Not sure if our game plan, and not not sure of our game plan, but we couldn't handle the pace of the game, made too many poor decisions and gave the ball away far too easily. Perhaps the focus was already on Livy, which I think, in a way, touching on what we already spoke about with Vente, and if you take your yeah. beat into consideration, naturally, you're going to you're going to look to games that you're more likely to win. Uh-huh. Seen some of the posts slating the manager, he's had more progress in the last 10 weeks than Johnson did in two years. No time to panic. I reckon we'll take third spot this year. We go again, which um, me and we'll Liam touch- pretty much every week. We can't really fault anything that Nigel says, and most of it, if not all yeah. of it, is always pretty spot on. I think the key point about that as well is that I, so taking in mind who we lost to, we lost to Celtic, away from home, um, but we didn't lose any ground on Hearts because they got beat of Rangers, and we didn't lose any ground on St Mirren because I Who's think, who were they playing Dundee? St Johnston. St Johnston, so they got beat of St Johnston, and then even funnier, 
Uh, Aberdeen losing in the last minute as well. That was. Did you see that goal? That was a fucking peach of a goal as well, by the way. I've not seen it. I've not seen any of the other boys, highlights back yet. No. Boys took it down and spun and vault like half volleyed at top corner. Both the uh, both the Aberdeen game and both the Simmering game very very late goals as well. So yeah. Um. Last question. Um. From the half Monty. Forget about it. Some fans are embarrassing. Um. As embarrassing as a result. Move on to Levy, and a win could see us third. Which again, depending on results, is so. With that being said, let's uh, we'll move on to preview the Livy game. Um, spoke about focal points. Spoke about personnel. Um, how do you see us setting up for that game? Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to maybe see Dodge start. Uh, I know he's football folk have said in the past about kind of playing an artificial pitch, but he was at Kelly for the whole of last year and he managed just fine. So. I think we maybe need a bit a bit more about us. Um, but saying that, Livy are fucking hopeless now. Like, what is it, six games on the bounce they've lost, they've no scored in five. That seems to be the perfect, like... So you've no, you've no one in six. You've lost six on the bounce. You've no scored in five games on the bounce. Who have you got next? Hibs. Ah, perfect. Like, that's, that would have been the way that I would have felt before. But I just, I don't think uh, Montgomery will let the standards slip to a level where... Um, I mean, obviously they they done us earlier on in the season, but that was under he who must not be named, uh, who suffered another fucking thrashing the other night. Get it right up on. Um, but I it must. I think it's we're getting into. I don't know what that sound like a fucking pundit man, but we're we're getting into must win territory. I think. I don't know what you. I think. think. I think. Yeah, I think considering the next three games that we've got, we want to try and close the gap. Or at least stay within the 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 race for third. I know the season's a very long season, and teams will go up and teams will go down. But we want to be in and around it for as long as possible. Um, our home and our away form isn't terribly bad either. Yeah. Um, and I feel like, like you said, Livy not one in six, not scored in five. Naturally, that points to a three 0 Livy win. Um, but I would like I mean, to think times have we fucking seen that before as well? I know. I would like to think with like post match last night, Monty confirmed that Venti will be back. He'll be good to go for the weekend. A beat of a one hundred percent be back as well. Um, yeah. Doidge obviously got minutes in his legs. Uh, Levitt's coming on to a game as well. So I think we're in a we're in a very good position considering where we were when um, Monty took over as well in comparison to like the, like where we are in the, in the last 10 weeks so yeah yeah I think we'll be just fine I think of the three games that we've got coming up before the derby as well you couldn't ask for a better better opportunity to get three points considering Libby's form um I feel like all Davy Martindale does now is just talk about money and budgets and stuff he doesn't really talk about anything football related boring is it he, so. he spent the entire summer Whoring out Joel Newbley to anybody that would listen, nobody wanted him, and now he's just. I mean, that uh, grass pitch thing's reared its head again, and he's going on about, oh, it's elitist, it's sport elitism, can the clubs that can afford it can't. They've got a big, massive Astro right next door, for one, and for two, there's junior clubs all over the pyramid that use grass. That are grass parks. Yep. Like, I get the, obviously I understand like the what 4G can do for clubs and 
communities that allows them to uh, I mean you see it lower down at the pyramid I mean because of the team I play for like we sometimes get to play at the SPFL grounds like we've got Oakleview, uh, Bayview, Bayview, is Bayview the East Fife ground? Bayview, Bayview, Mayfield? I know it's a ground I just couldn't um, tell you who it is. Played at the Comnock Juniors ground last season, um, I think there's another couple that I'm Middle Bank, we've got Middle Bank as well in the league. So obviously the the rewards for using it aren't just limited to the, you know, you need to t- sort of look at the bigger picture. And it's not just for Livy to shitfest their way through games. You know, it must save them a fortune on our training facility, which it will. It lets, you know, they can hire it out and it gives a space for kids, whatever their age, to go and play football five, six, probably seven nights a week. So I understand the comp. I understand it, but they're just being a top league. It has to be grass. Like it shouldn't be anything other than grass. The only thing is, is that if they do have to put a grass pitch down, how shite will they get? Because the like, what would they do to to look after it? Like yeah, but like it. you said, they could they could enhance the astroturf that they have directly next door. They could still use the stadium's facilities, yeah. but then just the Astro that's next to it, they could just use that instead. Mm-hmm. I know long term it might cost them a, a like a, a little bit because they might need to put like a small stand next to the other Astro or something like tedious like that. But I, I'm in full agreement that in the top league you should you should be playing on playing on grass. And there's there's teams in the Lowland League that train and play on the same grass pitch. Obviously there'll be more there'll be more people going through Livy's pitch because it's an AstroTurf. Mm-hmm. But if you take that away, those teams will, will find it somewhere else or they'll go somewhere else. And I know financially that might not be great for Livy, but um, listen, that's just the consequences of having to play in the top flight. If you want the money, Celtic and Rangers come in two, three times a season, yeah. then you've got to take a hit somewhere. You can't have, can't have your cake and eat it. And yeah. Davy certainly does do that. So. I know. He's, he's just, it's fucking unbearable. It's every time. Like every time he's in the press, I mean the novelty of him being kind of reformed con is just worn off completely. Now it's just boring listening to the same shite coming from. Um, so hopefully, no disrespect, but hopefully this is the day, this is the year that they go down because it's just the ground shite. It's always fucking freezing cold as well. I read something the other day. I don't know if you know this, right? See, because of the the altitude at which the ground actually sits at. Up where the centre is, there can be as much as a two, three degree difference in terms of the temperature. From like so from where, to where? So where the so so the Tony Mac, right? Yeah, yeah. And the Livy Centre, like MacArthur Glen and all that. Yeah. It can be two to three degrees colder lower down and warmer up on ground like so say up on ground level, but higher up. So you could park your car at three degrees and by the time you get to the ground it could be zero. What you're you'll, be, you'll be at zero degrees, eh? It does always, it does always feel mingingly cold every time I'm there. Even in the summer as well, when you maybe got an August game at the start of the season, it's always fucking Baltic. The pitch is shite, the pies are shite. Travel to the stadium is shite. It's in a shite hole. No offense to anybody for Livingston. Um, so I, I'd quite like this to be the year that they, that they go down. If only to maybe see them come back up with a grass pitch and a. Manager who's not a complete thrower. So 
I'm not going to ask you for a score prediction, Craig, because you just don't do those. 4 0 Hibernian. Right, okay. Um, who is going to be your, your key man from the weekend and who's going, to, who's going to score the goals for us? I think with Ellie getting back in, he'll be having maybe a bit between his teeth with a point to, not having so much a point to prove, but um, sort of maybe put on a show to show Montgomery that he should never be sitting on the bench again. Yeah, we've, we've not seen an LU unreal for a while, so he'll be, yeah. he'll be chomping at the bit to get one posted. And then obviously midfield, it's key to how, uh, probably Dylan Levitt, see, you know, see how he can react to the the plastic pitch. Obviously, you know what it's like being a midfielder who can ping a ball. You could ping a ball on grass and it would sit perfectly. The Astro might be brick solid, it might be wet, it might be dry. So the ball's going to react in completely different ways. So I uh, leave it, leave it to be the the key man. I think to, I mean, he's 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 steadily been getting better and better. I think as he's been getting fitter. Last night wasn't his greatest game, uh, but now Sunday, sorry Saturday, I think it'll be it'll be the game where he where he steps up and runs it. What about you? Uh, yeah, no, I, I agree with the, the the Levitt part as well. Um, it'd be good just because of the size of the pitch. When he does play, I think he could bag himself a couple of goals if if we've got the right level of service out wider in the wider areas. Um, just the way that the pitch sits and I feel like it could suit suit him. He might not have to come as deep and spend a little bit more time in the box. Uh, and yeah, I think I think Levitt could potentially run riot given given the space and considering how off it Livy have been. Um, yeah, I mean they've not won in six and they've not scored in five, so let's hope we can we, let's hope we can keep that run going. Yeah, um, it needs to be one of those ones where we need to. How many times in the past we've said we need to keep the boot on the throat almost? Yeah, and keep applying pressure, keep applying pressure. This this typically would be a game where Livingston would typically look forward to it more than what we would, and a sense that that's kind of flipped. Um, and this, uh, this needs to be one of these games where I, I do think somebody is going to take a doing off us at one point. Um, so I hopefully it's hopefully it's a Saturday. Speaking of of Sunday, because you said it a couple of sentences ago, just to bring us to a close, um, just want to remind everyone about the Leith Seven, the second drop of clothing that the boys have dropped, uh, the eighty nine and ninety four range. So your quarter zip, your t shirt, which without put, trying to put bias to aside, t-shirt is a thing in beauty, never mind the quarter zip, and uh, caps as well. I know a lot of the hip support um, like a wee baseball cap, so get involved. You have until Sunday to be able to secure your pre-order as well. Um, obviously, you're now ordering into the second week of December, so it won't arrive for Christmas, but it will be here in the new year, so don't miss out. Uh, once it's gone, it's gone. Quarter zip, t-shirt and cap. Get involved, folks. Um, we appreciate all the love. We appreciate the feedback. We appreciate all the orders that everyone has put in so far. So, um, listen, the first drop was hugely successful and we appreciate everyone getting involved in this one as well. So thank you very much to everyone. Um, if you don't already, follow us on, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, subscribe on, on YouTube and all that nonsense as well. We really appreciate it. It might mean nothing to you. That means a hell of a lot to four weirdos that follow Hibs. Yeah, so, just to tally on what Sean said about the drop, uh, it's all on 
uh, thehibsramble.com. So www.thehibsramble.com. Um, if you've got any questions, queries about, we are doing kid sizes now as well. I know the the 91 stuff that we brought out was popular um, in terms of people asking for stuff for their kids. We might see a return for that range in the future, who knows, because of how popular it was. But this run has also been done uh, in kid sizes. So if you want to get your kid uh, a wee quarter zip, wee tea, wee, well, baseball caps, really same. If you're like me, you've got a massive heat anyway, even if you were five-year-old. I think my heat's grown since in 30 odd years. Um, by kid size as well, www.thehibsramble.com. As Sean says, we do really appreciate the support that we get. Um, a lot of people probably won't know behind the scenes about how it all works, but Sean and Liam have been massive drivers and and not only getting it together, um, getting the ideas together, you know, the name, the designs and all that have kind of been a collaborative approach, but the level of work that Sean and Liam have done to actually get the product out there. And even when it comes in, it'll be them that are, you know, it's not coming for the factory direct to you. It's coming to Sean and Liam and us to sort, bag it, send it to you. So uh, we do really appreciate any orders that we get, any feedback that we get for the previous range. And I stay tuned for, for more to come for the ramble, like, because as we said the last time, we're only just getting started. So right. we'll just... We'll wrap up on that, mate. Yep, all good. Thanks to everyone for listening. We love you. We'll leave you. Enjoy the rest of your week. And let's hope for an emphatic high-burning one at the weekend. See you Monday. Cheers. Let's get ready to rumble.